2: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the 14th edition of Red Side of the Trent. And once again, we're glad to say we're brimming with positivity as Forest entered the year of 2022 in emphatic style, firstly defeating Arsenal in the FA Cup, progress to the fourth round, and then yesterday taking a valuable 1 0 win away at Millwall with a goal in the 92nd minute. The win takes Forest or keeps Forest in ninth place, but just five points off the playoffs now. As things start to get very interesting towards the back to the mid part of the January transfer window, um, we'll start with a Millwall game. And I mean, uh, Adam, it looked like you were sort of keeping track on uh, BBC Radio Nottingham because obviously, again, as you got a notification that we scored way before anything else came through when you put it in the group chat. Um, that's a pretty big win for Forest. I mean, we all know how tough the Den is to go to, and how it's like historically a very Difficult place for Forest
2: to go to, especially because of physicality. So to get a clean sheet, the win's massive. Yeah, definitely. I think Millwall are probably uh, one side we'd consider as a bogey team, really for for Forest. Even at home, we struggle with them. But it seems like Gary Rowe forgot that he had a certain uh, Matt Smith on the bench, <laughs> who seems to always be uh, a troublesome striker for for Forest defences. But it was a hell of a ding-dong game by the sounds of it. I mean, obviously not watching it is is obviously difficult to really analyse. But when you've got Colin Frey and Steve Odge going a bit mental and saying this is just like end-to-end. I don't know how it didn't make like the full highlights for the EFL show on Quest, to be honest. I'm a bit disappointed because both keepers were man of the match, I would say. They both kept t- their sides in it, obviously, until... Until so we, we we snatched it. As, a, as as Gary Lineker put last week, it was a smash and grab. Although <laughs> last week wasn't really a smash and grab, in my honest opinion. We'll get on to that. But you just can't fault the spirit of the side at the moment. And this is what I like about Steve Cooper and what he's done for Forest fans is we don't settle for a draw. Um, we're, we're not happy with a draw. We, we've, got, we've installed this winning mentality at the club, which has been lost for a long, long time. I think even under Lamucci, we weren't really like... Complete and utter winners, but we are a side that just does not settle for par below that like, average. We're 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 above that. We're we're trying to install that mentality, winning mentality, and bloody hell, it's really good to be a part of, isn't it? It's very, I mean, you make a good point
0: there. I mean, from off the top of my head, the only managers who made a big point about you know how forests of all clubs shouldn't accept just par for the course like you said there were probably in recent memories say Davis and Karanka and you know it looks like we've got someone in the same vein as Cooper just without the behind the scenes drama it appears which is (laughs) obviously very good um but Lee obviously uh, once again we're talking about a Lewis Graben winner um against his old old club as well and he's booed throughout the game of course you know ex-Palace ex millwall left in very acrimonious circumstances and was on hand to uh and find them some misery last night.
3: Yeah, he was uh, the main man again. I, I just have a, a little wry smile across my face every time he co- pops up with a goal because he goes one game without a goal and everyone's writing him off. He's finished and he's rubbish and he's never been that good. And it's he just keeps proving people wrong. I just think it highlighted as well exactly what he's good at. Give him the ball between the posts. I know he couldn't really miss yesterday, but... That's what he's so good at. I mean, he's run against Arsenal as well, just to kind of cut across. I think it was Cedric, and all of a sudden he's thinking, "Oh shit, I've lost him." Um, that's that's what he's so good at. And I think people they just presume because they just presume that whoever we stick up front is going to be able to do that. But it, it takes years of practice, and that's what Grabben has, has done throughout his career. To be fair, and for me, it's it's an absolute no-brainer that we need to get get him to sign something for for next season.
0: Yeah, I think we we're all in pretty much unanimous know, agreement there that at least for another year and then assess that. I mean it was an all round game. I mean, like obviously, um there was a chance for half time where Rabin sort of had a chance to shoot, but sort of worked his way into the box, cut the ball across goal and Yates shoots straight at Pierkowski. It's either side of him, it's a goal. But Vim mm. even fashioned that chance, he just he brings so much to his game more than just scoring goals. Like he's a very, very good footballer. Very lucky to have him. But um Race. It was another striker that looked like to uh, look like he had a very good game yesterday. Keenan Davis, obviously, was him on known for Aston Villa at the start of the window. Uh, eight successful dribbles I saw yesterday, and I know a lot of people um, write him off because of his uh, less than impressive scoring record, shall we say, of three in seventy three at better I believe it is. But if he's turn off for things like that, then surely it's you no know,
4: signs of a good foundation there. Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one with Davis because you'll always get the traditionalist of you know strikers are meant to score goals um, and they'll rate a striker on their on their goal record which you know is fair enough um, I think I said on the last pod didn't I I believe we brought in Davis so he could bring him like others into play which some people kind of laugh at but that is probably the reason you know yesterday and as the same with the Arsenal game I thought he put himself about well For a big, stocky lad, he's not slow. Um, And like Cooper said in his post-match, he's still getting up to speed. So, you know, the first couple of games he's done okay. Um, And hopefully we can see um, a bit more of him, whether it's in the next game or going forward. And it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if he could get on the score sheet probably in the next couple of games and then that kind of, you know, the data's kind of settles them down a little bit especially if he scores next week which will come on oh to yeah well. if he scores in that one <laughs> he's got a free pass of life. life <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean as we've seen
0: previous with Marcus Tudke for example who was utterly awful but everyone remembers him for that, those two goals in that 5-2 um, you mentioned Samba earlier Adam and um, you know how we you get a good claim for both keepers we've made in the match but um, obviously the one from Samba in particular he, he was two saves from a phobia the first one was it was near post which again you know You'd expect a keeper to make, but Sam has been a little bit suspect there over the course of his time at Forest. But the second one, when Afobi was picked out on the penalty spot and buried it to his left and Sam just sprawled across and put it out for a corner, he had no right to get there. And you know, a lot of people are saying after the game, like, do you think Sam was the best in the league? I think it's probably a fair question. I mean, what would you say to that? Do you think he's in the top one or maybe in the top six, for example?
2: It's, it's really difficult because obviously don't watch every single goalkeeper week in, week out. For their clubs, but I've not seen a keeper with better distribution, and you can't really argue with his shot stopping. It's pretty, it's pretty good. But I, w- I would say like the only criticism I have really of his is his commanding of his area sometimes, and yeah, he does get beat up his, at his near post. But he is a he is generally quite a good all round goalkeeper in my honest opinion. He pulled off that save from and I watched it obviously on the highlights and obviously, I, I knowing the score you kind of know what, what's going to happen but it does just look like slow motion it's like everyone stopped apart from them two people and Obis like off oh, to celebrate in and Sambas just sprawled across very very quick and pushed it and not just pushed it out of danger but obviously pushed it out for a corner which is something that sometimes he's been criticized for as well and he's had a real rocket up his ass this season I don't know if it's when Cooper come in or whatever but since even when like I know we've spoke about before when we brought in Horvath since then I don't think he's really put that much of a foot wrong in, a, in, in my honest opinion and he pulled off another one where it was a bit of like a cross come shot and he somehow got down to it and pushed it away and like you just think he has he has accumulated a few points for us this season and you can't really argue with that but whether no, I say he's in the top six, goal, I think top six keepers is probably quite fair in my opinion. I think people who disagree, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you can really rule him out. He's he is good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> very succinct. Yeah, he is good. <laughs> yeah. um, Lee, obviously as a member of the keepers union, you've you've always been quite quick to defend Sam, but we've perhaps been a bit over, overly harsh on certain things that he's done wrong, it must be quite pleasing for you as well to sort of see like how. A strong, I mean, a strong goalkeeper is a backbone of any really successful, isn't it? You, you, know, you build from the back.
3: Yeah, I think um, I'd actually probably disagree a little bit with what Adams just said in terms of commanding the box. I think under Steve Cooper, he's actually to his game in that sense. Um, his distribution's fantastic. I've never really got the. I, I think there's just so many lazy. A goalkeeper makes one mistake, and all of a sudden, with our fan base, that said, I think it is a, a thing with fan bases in general. You see a Premier League goalkeeper make a mistake, you go on Twitter oh, I've never rated him anyway. He's always got that in the locker. Well, ultimately, every time a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's going to be showcased because it typically leads to a goal. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think what Samba, what I like about him, I don't like that he keeps getting beat at his near post. He just doesn't seem to be able to grasp that. But, I mean, top six, I'd probably go a little bit further and say he's probably top three in the Championship for me. Like you say, it's difficult because you don't watch watch all the goalkeepers very often, but I mean, for, like Adam did say, for all his all-round qualities are all good. Um, I mean, the one thing that... How many goalkeepers have we seen just come to the penalty spot and pluck the ball out of the sky with one hand? It's it's unorthodox, but it seems to work for him, to be honest. Um, and when he's got a smile on his face, it just it kind of likes to sit ground up, doesn't it? I think um, he's one of them players that kind of sits in the file of, you know, clearly loves playing for us which um, which is good and like you say the, the, the defence in front of him kind of feed off that um, and I think when he has a good game um, nine times out of ten the, the whole defence does
0: no, it's, it's quite a unique party trick that isn't it we saw it going to start with the new sort of just wheeled it around so it's like oh you mm. <laughs> just, just picked that out of the sky um, but obviously like it's good if we've got to keep that quality obviously you, know, you build from that Steve Cook's come in so we've shored up that aspect so defensively, we see all right. Back to back, clean sheets. Can't complain about that at all. Going forward, though. So against Huddersfield, obviously, we were, you know, it was our own fault we lost that game if we didn't put our chances away. And it was very nearly a similar story against Millwall. Um, but fortunately, in fact, actually, like, if you look at like the, the stats in more depth, I think it was the most dominant we've been in the game since 2018, I think it was, in terms of chances, like actual like good chances. So, um, you know, a number of those fell to Ryan Yates, who obviously miss them but the day someone teaches him how to head a ball towards goal he's going to be worth so much money but um Reese, in your aspects, I mean again it, it's promising that we're making these chances but at what point does it become a concern that we're not taking them like I know obviously you could say we could put five past someone again ideally next weekend but again at what point does it become a bit of a minor issue that we're not actually being as clinical as we could be
4: and it it probably what Lee said in his group yesterday, it's kind of highlighted really the lack of options we've maybe got at the minute because yesterday we had like I didn't think the front three worked the first half with like it was a bit of a strange one. But then as soon as like we brought Zink and Eagle on and we seemed to start creating more chances when the formation was a bit more fluid. Um, so <laughs> it was one of them. One yes, yesterday, it was the ball like the ball was pinballing around the area. We've got to try and you know turn one of them in, but we've just praised both goalkeepers and Millwall might and to be fair will probably say the same. Yesterday they had some decent chances and they've not took one away. Um, when does it become a concern? Well, obviously, it's a concern when you're not winning games like we did against Huddersfield. If you, yeah, you know, yesterday, we'd all said yesterday, if we win 1-0 yesterday, we all said what a brilliant result that is. But, and we've said again and we're on this pod so many times that there is going to come a time when we do put, we do, we do absolutely thump somebody and it all clicks together, so... Fingers crossed that is next weekend. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Especially against around the fifteenth as well.
0: So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that pans out. But um obviously that win, I mean this the thing the most important thing for me as well, actually, is because you know, obviously we had the the day against Arsenal when we won. Um but what was important for me was that how often have we seen in recent years where forest have had a good result or surprisingly good result. it could be in any circumstance, for example, like I remember when we beat um, Derby 5-2 on uh, the Davis 10 years ago. And um, that meant we went a whole can of the year and beaten at home. The next game we had Bert Barnsley. We struggled like hell with a two-all draw on New Year's Day. And, you know, it's important that you don't have it as a one-off, that you do follow it up. So the fact that we could follow up that um, win against Arsenal with a win at Mill when it mattered more, I think that's superb and testament to um, Cooper's management, really. Because all the players seemed very chill, very calm. But obviously we are going to talk about that Arsenal win now. And again, on topic of Cooper, Adam, I mean, that was pretty much a tactical masterclass from minute one to
2: minute zero at end. Yeah, definitely. I think what we did well was we let Arsenal dictate kind of where the game was going and we kind of just waited for them to make mistakes. And that's where most of our chances come from, them giving giving the ball away and us trying to spring on the counter-attack. But you've got a bloke at centre-half who's worth, maybe three, four times over our team in Ben White and he was playing, well, I know he did play for England at the Euros, but you've even got likes of Saka and that and, uh, and whatnot playing, but they did not look like an Arsenal side that you would think would come to the city ground and perform like that. Um, it, was, it was very disappointing from their point of view, but great for us. Um, not great for Jed Spence because now every... Tom, Dick and Harry him, <laughs> and it'd be lovely for us to even think we could keep him but even you'd even got Arsenal fans saying who is he because he's brilliant. I mean, he could have played, he could have easily been an Arsenal player if if you wanted because he's that good. I, I generally think that and I think just, just touching on that in the Millwall game, Scott Malone seemed to do a really good job of keeping Jed Spence relatively quiet in, in all honesty. Millwall did very much pinpoint that he is someone that is a threat for us, and and I give give them credit for that because they kept him quite quiet. But for Arsenal, he was he was magnificent. There was that that clip there. He goes past by three players before Martinelli just chops him down, and you're like, bloody Nora, like this this kid is he's he's got it, honey. He's got it. He's got it all. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think um that was probably the pit point as well. But I think um Lee from the defensive aspects. I mean. When I saw the teams come in, the thing I was most worried about was I actually felt Spence with his pace could maybe nullify Martinelli slightly, but I was more worried about the other side, sack against Colback But it seemed that whatever Cooper, so apart from ten minutes in the sec- in the first half, where I think Cooper said we're a bit too deep towards the ends, you no, know, England's national, someone who you know start plays in the Euros final like completely pocketed by Colback, And on the other side, Martin only got no joy whatsoever out of um, Spence to the point that he literally went straight through the back of him. I mean, for them to play that well against players of that calibre, again, what a foundation to build on.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I think back to the other game when we won 4-2, I looked at the team that night and I thought, do you know what? We could actually win this game, uh, even with the team we had then. I just thought it was such a weak side. There was no one on the bench of any, any real note. Um, When the team came through last Sunday, I actually thought we'd get a pretty heavy defeat, to be fair. Um, I just looked at the front four. Yeah, I know Nkeshi is not great, but I I don't know. I just thought he'd be better than he was. Uh, But then you look behind him, you've got Martinelli, um, Saka. Obviously, Martinelli had that great game against us um, in the League Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, Odegaard, uh, again, pretty good players. So, it was pleasant. I mean... I put something on Facebook after the game that, that the second half performance from a Forest perspective was literally, as a fan, just everything you asked for. Uh, we dug in. There was times where Nkesha missed a couple of good chances. We didn't let it get to us. We, we kept at kept the game plan. And and like you say, we, we just had to wait for that one error to creep in. We, we all know that Arsenal, as you put it, Christian, are managed by the, the Spanish Tony Pulis. They've, they're always going to give you a chance. And and thankfully, Luis Graben did, did put it away. So... Yeah, it was for me. It was it was one of those moments with, that you kind of live for as a supporter, just to see your team get some national coverage uh, with a bit of a, a, a shock. I know that some people would jokingly say that there was no shock as far won. one, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was just really refreshing. From what we've become in the space of three or four months is is quite remarkable, to be honest. So hats off to Steve Cooper for that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And on the I of my favorite uh, tweet that I saw like, on the way back was I think. European champions Forest defeat European minnows Arsenal, which made me laugh quite a lot. Um, um, but obviously, it was an outstanding performance all over the pitch. I think one of the key areas of that was in midfield. I mean, obviously, Arsenal lined up with Bettino, who they've all dubbed as the next Fabregas, and Laconga who cost them 18 million in the summer. But so 18, not 80. Um, but Yates and Garner bullied them from the, fir- from the first whistle. I saw Yates going like over late, late, let him know you're there thing, Reese and. That physicality from Forest, that sort of aggression. That was, you know, how we've been missing that for so many years. So that that bite and not get
4: rolled over like that. I know it's, it's very dark kind of thing, but you know it was a cold Sunday night. Wasn't it? and I don't think Arsenal just. I just didn't think they wanted. It. It was up for the fight, and we and we we was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when there's always a shock in the FA Cup, it's always, the narrative is always X team who's been beat, the favourites, that haven't turned up. And that's why, you know, the, the upset yeah. has come. But, you know, credit to Forrest. I thought we just did what we needed to do. I didn't think we had to really go through the gears because I just thought Arsenal just didn't offer anything. And, you know, even when even when they scored, sorry, we scored, I should say, I expected 10 minutes of us being penned in and then chucking everything at us and literally didn't... Sandra didn't make a save all night. Yeah. I think we
0: shot on target from Arsenal.
4: Yeah. and <laughs> I mean, and then they're literally bringing on Kalasnach to rescue the game in the last minute, a <laughs> left-back, so kind of said where they are, really. Um, but, yeah, credit to, credit to Forrest. I thought we were thought you we were magnificent in his approach and as Lee said you've got to give credit to Steve Cooper and his tactics for that you know we we you know our goal was brilliant one to if, if that was if that goal was in the Premier League you'd applaud it you an absolutely brilliant ball from Ryan Yates right on the money and then Lewis Graben, who's apparently lazy to some has ran 30 yards to get on the end of the ball so you can't ask for any more than that and you know, I'm sure as I'm sure every fan is looking forward to the next round now. With obviously getting Leicester, so that hopefully we can pull off another cup set, if you want to call it that.
0: Absolutely, that yeah. We've got uh, the holders of the FA Cup, necessarily in the fourth round at the City grounds and it's live on BBC One, I believe, on Sunday the sixth of February. Although, obviously, hopefully try and get a ticket because it means you don't have to deal with Gary Lineker's not so biased uh, reporting. But, um, yeah, uh, the, I mean, like you said about grabbing, the chase, running that down, I mean, um, Ben White is still trying to catch him from what I heard. It was um, yeah, a sensational like, gut-busting effort to get onto that ball. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, without obviously we look at the January transfer window now. And even though it looked like Forrest might have, you know, we're good, we're clever, you know, we've got Davis done early. Uh, obviously, we brought Cook in earlier. Cook, who, by the way, you know, looked like he... That game against Arsenal, you'd have thought he'd been in the defence for years. You wouldn't have thought that was his first game. He was just settled straight in. Fantastic stuff. Lovely to see it. And hopefully, he'll have a big impact as well. We'll come to that very shortly. But it looks like, if reports are to be believed, that Forests are on the cusp of signing Lee Wallace from Millwall for what's believed to be a £2 million fee. Apparently, Jed, there's a little... Jed, Jed Wallace there, uh, Christian. Jed Wallace. Sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um, was, uh, yeah, who's apparently the hold up at the minute is because he's got a slight quad injury. So we're waiting for that to heal. They do medical. Uh, we're apparently going to go back in again for Blackpool's Josh Bowler, who I know we're a big fan of on this podcast, and potentially Makuru as well from believe, and something Spore. Well, I can't pronounce her name properly. I'm not going to try. Um so it like Spore. That's the one. There <laughs> European knowledge over here. Um, so it looks like we're very much going to bring a winger in. So. My question to you is, does that suggest that we're going to lose Brennan Johnson or does it mean that we're just going to just pack that area because we're a bit
2: light? So I'll start with you, Adam. I'd like to think we're not going to lose Brennan Johnson till the summer, but potentially bringing in three wingers is alarming in a, in a sense. But does that mean Myton's injury is a bit worse or uh, are we going to look to loan him? Um, Joe Lolly for me as good a servant as he's been I think his days are are done in my honest opinion I just don't think he's he's ever got got back to where he was under Karanka more more so than anyone else where he was just untouchable for, for that entire season where he was getting an assist or a goal or some sort of goal contribution in some way nearly every other week um, I just think his injuries have completely done him in um which is sad to see. Um, we've seen it with obviously with with I say two two Reese's most favourite loan signing ever. Um, so yeah, but like it, it's nice to be linked to these sort of players. Um, obviously, Jed Wallace is massive. He's been doing doing a lot of good things for Millwall. Josh Bolo looked very excited. Me and Reese were, were very we thought we were very impressed with him at the City Ground. I think Lee Lee, Lee agreed with that as well. Um, I mean, in, I'm interested to see what this Richard Laria will offer as well, because from, from the YouTube montages, which we all we all uh, pin our hopes on, he looks very, very exciting for a fullback, back um, Attacking, strong, quick. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's all really good. It's good to see that we're linked to, to players that actually might fit the bill with us as well, rather than just putting like round pegs in square
0: holes. That's very true. I was, I was on the topic of YouTube as well. There's a seven-minute sort of montage video with him and it's sort of the classic american canadian thing of like oh he got beat down but then he got up again and it's all of like, ex- like explosions and music and all it's sorts like watching rocky he really is yeah <laughs> <laughs> the canadian rocky just he plays football and there's an out forest um league what about you obviously I mean a total overhaul of the wingers doesn't isn't normally a good sign um obviously that's if we sign all three of course but What's your take? Yeah,
3: I, I mean, I, I don't think for one minute we will sign all three. I, I would expect once once we get one over the line, perhaps that'll be it um, in that sense. I mean, every prediction I seem to make on this podcast makes me look like a right Charlie. So, I mean, I'd, I'm going to sit here and just say, yeah, I think Brennan Johnson's going to get sold. It'll probably happen tomorrow. We won't have him for the Derby game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I give Zinkadar a 10 out of 10. He's been pretty useless since, so... Yeah, let's hope I'll try a bit of reverse psychology with this one and say we're gonna sell him, but but no, I mean in all seriousness, I, I think one more attacker is needed. Um you know, you know my views on and I think with the amount of games he's played, he he's shown very little, to be fair. I get that he's young, I get that he could he could go on and have a, do a bit of a Brennan Johnson, but in order to do that, he's gonna to need to to play week in, week out, probably somewhere in League One first. Um I I can't agree anymore with what Adam's just said about Joe Lolly. I don't need to touch on that. Um, it, the the nail on the head was the injuries have just robbed him of, of being the player that he once was, which is a bit sad because he's been good for us. Um, so, yeah, I do think what I do like about the players we're targeting, they can they can play in a number of positions, which I think is a pretty clear um, criteria of what Cooper's looking for. I don't think he wants sort of one-dimensional players to come in that that Cooper needs to kind of fit his system around if that makes sense i think instead he wants someone that like wallace who can play as a 10 can play as a winger can even you know fulfill a role up front if he needs to so that's good to see and and obviously not that you've got any guarantees with players that we've all heard of but it is nice to be linked with those sort of players that are playing in our league currently than you know a striker from the egyptian ninth division who has scored 900 goals in the last Five months. So, you know, it, that that is nice in that sense. So, fingers crossed we can get out of the three. I'd probably like to see Jed Wallace come to be honest. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed we can get one of those over the line.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, I mean, they all seem to offer different things as well. I mean, obviously, Wallace is very much on his delivery. Mm-hmm. He seems to get a lot of assists at championship level. Um, obviously, Bowler seems a very good ball carrier. And Makuru, from what we've seen, just seems to be a very pacey sort of outlet that can just you know go down either side and cut in cut in on his right. So again, very different types of play that we're targeting, they can fill different roles, which is very
4: interesting. Reese, what about you? What do you think? I totally agree with Adam and Lee in regards to Lolly. Um, I think is probably days of you know, when he was at his peak and probably over at Forest, but for what we paid for him, was it half a million? He's been an absolute bargain. Hmm. Um. again, I, I'd agree with Lee, if it was out of three, I'd probably would favour towards Jed Wallace. But probably goes to something we said on the last pod where, you know, if it does come later in the window where Brentford do put a bid under his nose, which is towards that 20 million you know, and Forrest think, well, well, he's not, you know, he's not signed a new contract and, you know, because every player's got a prize, let's be honest, especially a club in the championship at least then we've got a plan in place and it isn't like when we sold Burke on the Fawaz, when we had two or three days of the window left and we're signing junk from Portugal and Italy. So, yeah, we're not going to sign three wingers, are we? Um, I think if everybody stays, it'll probably be the one, but I mean, I don't know much about the lad from Antalya Sport. I'm not a I'm not some guru on the Turkey Super League, but um, yeah, it would be it would be nice to sign Wallace because you know we all we all know what he can bring him. What you would say, you know, Millwall aren't a top of the you know top of the championship side, aren't in mid table, and he he's got a really good record for them. So I mean, we'll have to just see what happens, but we definitely need someone in that area for sure.
0: I guess look at it look at it another way. How would you feel, for example, if if Forrest did sign all three, and then sold Johnson for sold Johnson. Million? So the way I look so from from a purely business perspective, then you've bought the players in now before clubs know you have money, and
4: then you cash in. <laughs> it's hard. One to, it's a hard one to answer because you. you because you don't, you, I mean, it, players can go to another club and they can be a waste of time, or they can mm. we sign players who record haven't looked good at other clubs, like Lolly at Huddersfield, for example, and he was brilliant for us. So that's that's a tough one to answer. It is, yeah, it's, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, th- I think we'd all, I think we'd all agree. We don't really want to be losing as better players until the summer. If, like, we didn't go up, for example because then at least you can plan and say look this is you know we'll get a proper pre-season out and when you swap in losing a big player in January I think it's quite tough you know we'll see that in the premier league with burnley who've lost one of their main players mm-hmm. um no, it's, it's, I can't, I can't answer that, mate. Sorry. Let Leo answer. That's a really, See, a really tough one. In. Really tough
3: one. I, I think if if you offered me all three and Johnson goes, I, I think I do agree with what Reese has just said about it's difficult mid-season point you lose one of your best players, if not your best player. But what I would say is I would seriously tip my hat to the club for that would be a serious statement in terms of we're going to run like a proper football club with a proper recruitment strategy now. Um, so, yeah, it'd be a bit frustrating for one to try and give you an answer. It'd be frustrating to lose Johnson, but if you're going to tell me we're going to get Jed Wallace, God knows how many games in the Championship, Josh Bowler, 22, still learning. I think he's 22. Um, still improving. Um, and Paul McIru, who, yeah, he, he, we don't know yet, but still, you, you're getting three players for the price of one. As good as Johnson is... So if someone's going to offer twenty million for him, and we're going to just go out and replace him with three players, I would seriously tip my hat to the club for that.
4: Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to agree with that. I would. I, I don't, I don't see any, I don't see Brentford or if whoever is linked paying that amount this window. I don't, but we'll will see what happens.
0: It does depend. Yeah, I think obviously I think Brentford lost today to Liverpool, but that's to be expected. I think if they get pulled in over the next week or so, they might get mm. a bit switching. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Again, it's it's all variables as ever with football. Um, what about you, Adam? If, so, for example, if if it was to pan out that way, and the club basically cashed in without anyone realizing we're going to do it, um, we make bank. Would you be fairly content with that? Have,
2: I, th- I, th- I think I think you'd have I think you'd have to be uh, for someone who's come through your academy, and you're going to get twenty bags for him, and then you spend what maybe four five million. I don't know what the what the uh, fee is rumored to be for. Mercurio, however you say his name, I'm sure we'll, we'll all I think he's about learn. Seems 1.5 million, 2 million euros, and then, and then so, Jed, yeah. Jed, Wallace is two million for a guy who's had easily over a hundred appearances in the championship and scored plenty of goals and got plenty of assists, and then Josh Berul, looks uh, a B tech, Jack Grealish, but a very exciting player. You can't really, you can't really like, you can't really argue with that, can you? Because yeah, again. I'll reiterate, Johnson, though he's been absolutely outstanding this season, is still very much an unproven player at this level. He still needs the experience that Jed Wallace has got maybe to warrant that sort of move. Yeah, he's 20, so he's, he's got a lot of years on, on on Jed Wallace to go and he's a very good player. But when you've got a year and a half you have your contract, you can't really argue. But what what I really like, and, and Lee's obviously touched on about the recruitment being really good, it's it's smart. Uh, acquisitions and fees were paying two million for Jed Wallace is an absolute bargain if that happens, a bargain because mm. he was talked about going somewhere in the Premier League not too long ago for ten million or more or something daft, and it didn't happen. So it's getting for a, for a snip is 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 cracking business by Dave Murphy and the team, and it's obviously evident now that Ventross has fucked off. So great, well done, <laughs> happy days
0: indeed. Obviously, we should you mate Clear to our listeners that we don't want to lose Sterling Johnson, not at all. But because obviously he's a very exciting player, and again, arguably our best player at this moment in time. But Premier League vultures are always there; we're always at risk. So this is why we have contingency plans, and this is why we're linked with so many wingers, as is to be expected. So, but transfer window obviously, as we touched on earlier, signed Steve Cook and Davis. As we mentioned, Steve Cook did pretty much slot in, handing glove against Arsenal and against Millwall. it's helped us get bats back, back clean sheets in. Well, two games, obviously. But, obviously, Adam, me and you both were quite unsure, apprehensive, maybe on the other side of the fence, or leading to the other side of the fence, of signing a 30-year-old. Um, has your views changed over the course of
2: the last 180 minutes? Yeah, complete U-turn. To be fair, I thought Steve, Steve Cook looks a lot older than he actually is, doesn't he? You don't know I think. Um. He could have been Charlie Petino's dad um, against Arsenal. <laughs> like That's how young Charlie Petino looks in comparison. But no, um, Steve Cook looked brilliant. Now, I think there was a one-on-one challenge with Enketia, and he just takes no prisoners and I thought, Joe, you know brilliant. And then um, yesterday listening to the game and uh, Steve Odge mentioned that he had a right go at McKenna and obviously McKenna's not known really for doing that many mistakes at Forest, but he obviously epitomises the perfectionist of of football um, and wants players to, to be better. And, and we have missed that in a lot of times. He's kind of already reminded me of when we signed Paul McKenna. And in a very short space of time, he's that level-headed player, likes to play, but also does the, the dirty stuff of just heading it and kicking it, which is, which is mm-hmm. fine as well, but can get the ball down and play which Cooper will like. Um, and it's kind of like, made more sense of why when Cooper signed Ryan Bennett last season for Swansea, he just kind of that, that kind of player. So yeah, complete U-turn brilliant. And then touching on Davis. I mean, he, he, he really like started it off against Arsenal by telling Rob Olden, um, <laughs> to, to fuck off, didn't he? Let's face it. Rob Olden did not want to know after that. He just got he real into his head game. and he bullied, he bullied both of them. Him and, White. Mm. Like, um, Ben Light, yeah. Ben Light, yeah. But yeah, D- Davis is going to be a handful, and it's good to have a player like that at a young age because we, you know, we normally get them when they're about to go into retirement home, you know, like Daryl Murphy and Darius Anderson. So it's nice to have a player that can actually run and bully defenders.
0: He's very skilled. I mean, some of them against Milwaukee, Davis, it's like, you know, I've noticed this little trick. You he'll, he'll encourage the defenders to approach him. And then he'll just quickly nip it past them and then he's off, he's away. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he did it quite a few times. I like, you know,
2: he's, definitely it gonna, he's definitely going to grow yeah. in confidence. Um, great option to have as well, obviously, if he, if he doesn't start. Um, so, yeah.
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, <laughs>
2: yeah. Obviously, Lee, um,
0: I know you mentioned earlier that your predictions uh, tend to be somewhat skewed, obviously, in, in the wake of Zinkenagel, especially. But although he has picked up since. so. But obviously, you must be quite you know, vindicated in your, uh, your defence of Cook the last part.
3: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not one for... It. I mean, yeah, if I was certain certain people on Twitter, I could be all over saying, oh, where's all the cook haters now? But, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just I just felt that whether it's just this, this trust I've got in the manager and the, the recruitment that we're trying to do, I don't know, but I just felt it'd be an ideal addition. I, I think despite what some people on social media would have you believe, you can't have a team, particularly through the spine, that he's made up of young players. And, and ultimately, Steve Cooper has recognised that and, and bought Cook in. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure we've seen a player have such an impact when fans were really sceptical about him coming in after just two games. But, you know, he stood up, two clean sheets, happy days. Um, he's not really I'll say. He he's, he's no frills, isn't he? He just goes about his business, seems like the model pro. Um, I kind of liked the the video that the club put out at sort of like quarter two where the players are going into the dressing room off the bus and some of them have a bit of a laugh with whoever's filming and everyone, each their own with players, isn't it, how they prepare for games but Cook just looks so focused. It was like there wasn't even a camera there to him. He looked so focused, straight into the dressing room, just seems like a model pro and he's only 30 so for a centre-half he, he could have a couple more years for us yet. So, yeah, happy days.
0: Hopefully, yeah. I mean, um race about you, What's your thing? I mean, obviously, like, again, This seems to be a good fit, and maybe we shouldn't be so harsh. (laughs) Well, you seem quite you seem quite level headed, to be fair, compared to us. You were
4: very much neutral. Yeah, I I think the problem, like Lee's, just kind of said there, is if if players are over a certain age, because we've been given that much dross of players, you know, going towards past thirty. It kind of you know puts you on guard a bit, and you're thinking, "Oh, is this another one off the conveyor belt whose legs have gone?" You know now, and because Bournemouth have got rid of him as well. Um, but the two the two games I've seen him, he's you know like you said earlier, Christian. He looks like he's been in that defence for seasons, slotted right in. Um, and he is what I expected in terms of a leader. You know, not. I think Adam just said that he wasn't asked about telling McKenna off, who, you know, we'd all probably agree on this pod's been our player of the season. So that's what you know. I seen someone on Twitter put, "Oh yeah, he needs to be made captain there. and somebody replied saying, "Why?" You know, you and I, and I put back to them like, "Spot, you know, we need loads of leaders in this team." I, I look at that Forest side now, and you look at that back three: Worrell, McKenna, Cook all pretty vocal, Jack Colback's experience, you know, we all know Ryan Yates, a passion merchant to, you know, um, I'm not saying that, derogatory, um, you know, puts his voice about and that, and then obviously you've got the captain up front in grabbing, so, and that's your spine of your team, like Lee was saying in his comments, so, yeah, it's early days, but looks a solid addition to me, um, and long may it continue. Absolutely,
0: yeah, and I mean, you know, if the clean sheets can't keep coming in then the way we're playing and the chances of we're creating, you have to just trust that we're going to start scoring more goals and start winning more games which of course makes everyone happy um, obviously so secret so, so which so the question we asked for you for this pod was what was your first forest away game and your memories of it so obviously put that one out to you and we'll start reading so MS said first one I remember clearly was Lincoln away in the FA Cup 2007 my dad won a sweepstake in the coach which I'm sure had the heat because I can fall. Game went to a replay and we used some quiddings for fish and chips in Bridgeford when we got back. Uh, Yummy Bear said, first away, a game I can't really remember, but the one that sticks out is Blackburn in 1999 in the Prem. We won 1 0 with 10 men when we were already down and relegated them in the process. We were all doing a massive conga around the stand most of the second half. A good day. Down White is very specific. 20th of Feb 1988, fifth round of the FA Cup, we burned at St Andrews. Getting pelted with coins by the home fans in the away end, winning 1 0 through Crosby and not being allowed to go anywhere after the game by the West Midlands police and they're not very friendly police dogs. Uh, Fleet said Forestley Peterborough 2012, we won 1 0, I think, through Dexter Blackstock, where the away fans over two stands. I actually remember watching that at the Football League show. It was like a away fan takeover by Forest, it was nuts. Uh, Bob Metal said Don cashed away in League Cup 0405. 05, 2 0 at the old Bellevue grounds. proper old style away ends. All under 18, so paid for junior entry into Dolly Supporters Club and then went straight to the bar and got served alcohol. Uh, Jess Peasy said, Palace away week before Christmas in December. I was seven. I didn't want to go. I wasn't that into football at the time. Dad convinced me by saying we were going to London. Obviously, Crystal Palace has never been in bloody London. Don't know about that. <laughs> I was so upset. I'd be to you. We drew one all. It was cold. And the game was crap. Stern John scored for us. There's a, there's a name blast from the past. Friedman played for Palace. And I think Trevor Francis managed him at the time. But I remember the noise we made in that steep old bit of stands and I caught the bug and never looked back. That was in 2001, sorry, not... Yeah, 2001. Oh, uh, Wilkinson said, Wembley, Everton, Simoth Cup final, 4-3. Does Wembley count as an away day? It's been so long since we've been there. Uh, so I guess it kind of has to. And then, yeah, uh, Jeffrey last one oh, sorry, last two, sorry. Jeffrey said, Boring one, less for November of the 10-11 season. Lost 1-0 thanks to an Andy King goal. Started snowing at the ref. And we all were chatting, called it off to the ref. And last but not least, Chloe said, Blackburn away, midweek, piss it down, almost missed kick-off because of traffic on the M6, which I did because the game was crap. We lost 2-1. So, <laughs> a bit of a mixed fortune there, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, let's go through ours then. So,
2: Adam, what was your first away game? What are your memories of it? Uh, Sheffield Wednesday away. It cost a bloody arm and a leg. Um, LAUGHTER I went with like quite a few group of mates, and it was actually really good. And I like got a bug for Sheffield. Like my, I've got a cousin who lives there, and I've been on a few nights out. Up in Sheffield, and it's a really good city. I find I, I always think it's quite similar to Nottingham in that sense. But uh, Billy Davis was manager, and we scored a really good team goal, finished off by uh, Simon Cox for a tap in. Uh, and it, yeah, it was all it was all good. Hillsborough is obviously a very historic ground for not so many nice memories, but yeah, it was, it was a good one for me even though we spent a lot of money on a ticket. But yeah, happy days.
0: I've always wanted to go to was It's one of the ones I've never been able to get a ticket to go to. But it costs like £400
2: pounds to go. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've I heard the prices can be slightly extortionate, to put it mildly. Um, much like Lee's. Maybe it's a Yorkshire thing, who knows. Um, Lee, what about you? What was your first away day? What's your memories of
3: it? I had to look mine up. Uh, I had to actually rack my brains on when it was, to be honest. I couldn't, really couldn't remember. Um, there is two. I'll explain myself. So, Leeds away in 1994, um, Noel Whelan scored the winner and our tickets were in the Omen. So, it wasn't technically an away game. Um, for some reason, Leeds must have been one that my dad felt he could take me to because two years later, 8th of April 1996, I went back to Elland Road, this time in the Forest End, and we won 3-1. No, um, oh, I might spent every day. was it.
4: Reese, what about you actually yeah your one's quite spectacular actually oh, all <laughs> things yeah it was um, a six year old opening Christmas Day presents was a ticket to Manchester United away on Boxing Day with Forrest in the 98-99 season um, we got beat 3-0 because we were awful that season United went on to win the travel um, I mean even Ronnie Johnson scored twice so that summed it up and Giggs got the other I just remember my dad parking in like this dead tiny car parking. It must have took an an hour for us to get out. Um, and because of the tour and my new game forest that season, because, you know, we all know the other resort. I remember watching my first ever Champions League final when they played Bayern Munich and um, crying when uh, Manchester United won the game 2-1 in the last minute, (laughs) when they turned it around in the last minute because I I I didn't want them to win. So that's where my um, hatred of Manchester United kind of stems. But it's obviously gone down a little bit over the last few years because they're now very piss poor compared to what they used to be quite enjoying isn't it it's quite a it? good <laughs> uh, sort of dead mine
0: um, so mine came in i forgot got a date for you actually on 6th of November in 1999 it was away at Norwich and we'd just been relegated from the Prem obviously that aforementioned season that mentions. just mentioned um, my first home game came a few months before that so one and only Premier League game watching Forest and um, yeah we lost one nil. but so they scored uh, just uh, just before the half hour mark Alright. and my memories of it are: <laughs> I remember it being dark again. Obviously, November it would have been dark pretty quickly. I remember at the ends, the lights being on. I don't know why I just always remember this, and I didn't actually see it because I was quite small, but I saw like Friedman go through one on one. I don't know how. I don't. Know, I haven't watched highlights this game back, but it felt like he had like there was no one near him. He just I don't know. He broke away from a corner or something or whatever else, but it was literally just him one on one and the goalkeeper. Everyone else in our half, pretty much. He went forward and went forward and went forward and went forward. And then I did see the ball because it went so high up into the stands. He just absolutely ballooned it. Got underneath it. He went flying. And obviously this is the last minute. So it's a chance to salvage the game. And uh safe so, so I learned a few new words that day as a six year old. Um including Ingrate, which well, it's very synonymous of Norwich away days, as we all know. But <laughs> yeah, that was that was my first away day. Norwich away lost one nil. And um Thankfully, I've seen Forest Wind Road a few times since then, but yeah. And anyway, with that, we'll move on to the final part. It's prediction time and we've got the very small matter of the East Midlands Derby next week. The proper East Midlands Derby, not the one that's forced by one side who should have better things to do with their time, but never mind. So, Derby at home, uh, 12.30 kick-off, I believe, live on Sky. What do we reckon,
2: Adam? Going to be a tougher game than I think we all anticipate because obviously derby's standings in the table are you you could pretty much say they're false because obviously if they didn't have a points deduction they're only like three points behind us. So um I am sick of seeing a lot of Forest fans give give Rooney loads of credit and like going, oh with the situation they're in. Yeah I get that but just keep that to yourself, okay? Right. <laughs> um but if this week's anything to go by they could have, like, half a squad. I mean, Graham Shinney's gone, as we speak, for thirty grand to Wigan. Phil Jagielka's left on a free to Stoke. Um, there's rumours, obviously, of Knight going. Um, we might put a low ball in, offer for Buchanan just to rub salt in the wounds because they should have accepted a million pound offers. Um, it's going to be a really tight game, I think, because obviously everything goes out the window in a derby game. But I think if we can get our game going and overload... The, the wide areas, which we're, we've been quite good at in, in recent times, that I see no no uh, no excuses why we shouldn't win like maybe 2-0, I think. I think it'll be difficult for, for Derby. Derby don't score a lot of goals, but obviously they've been scoring recently because they've been, they've been winning games. But I just think we're going to have too much for them, in my opinion. So I'll go 2-0. Um, I think Johnson and Graben will score. Johnson and Graben, eh? Nice. Um, oh,
0: yeah, it would be good, actually. Um, so, I guess we've got, um, I forgot to mention, actually, we've got Cardiff. We've got, Bar- we've got Barnsley. We've also been going to win that game. Obviously, that was postponed. It's been rescheduled. I doubt our views have changed on that, particularly. Um, um, we've also got Cardiff on the
2: 30th Sky game, 4 o'clock. What do you think for that one, Adam? Um I've not really been paying attention that much to Cardiff's results. I, I've, they've still got Steve Morrison as caretaker or, or whatever. It, yeah. Everyone's nodding in approval. Um, he's, got it, he's got it permanent now. He's got it permanent? Oh, right. Bloody yeah. hell. Right. Well, I think, again, another tough game. Cardiff seemed to be one of them sides that we struggle against. And obviously we got beat uh, at home to him when, when we had uh, the dinosaur, Hutton in charge. <laughs> I just think it will be a different kettle of fish. We're, we're a bit of a different animal on the road. I think we're still in the top three best away sides in the league. So I expect us to get a result at Cardiff. Um, you take a point on the road, but I don't see why we shouldn't beat him as well. Maybe beat him 1-0, but again, I'd I take a point. So I go one all actually. So seven points
3: from possible nine.
0: Yeah. yeah. Decent. Solid as I know. I think we'd all be pretty happy. Lee, what about you?
3: Yeah, so Derby's a tricky one, isn't it? I hate the Derby games. I just... I'd happily it's a lot take of for a one draw,
0: one all draw isn't You've it? You've been very yeah, pessimistic. Honestly, I, am,
3: I am that sort of fan that would happily shake hands on a 1-1 draw and let's leave it at that. <laughs> I wish you all the best for the season. Happy days. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it would it would be very forest, I think, but given that it might be the last one for a while. We They've not beat us for ages to go and lose this one. But, you know, I've kind of... I was a bit pessimistic yesterday, especially when we were drawing nil nil. They were winning. I was a bit, you know, downbeat. So, but I've I've come round a little bit, and I think we might just have enough. I've just had a look at some quick stats actually, and their away form isn't as good as I thought it was. free
0: um, yeah, most of their points come at home.
3: Their away form, incidentally, is very similar to our own form. So that probably does lead me to a one-one draw. But I think we might nick it. I think just because yesterday's late win, the spirit's going to be high. I've I can not go on a Forest podcast fourteen episodes in and say we're gonna lose to Derby. So I think we're gonna win. Um I think they'll score though, so I'm gonna go for two one. Okay.
0: And Cardiff?
3: Cardiff, yeah. Shit all over the place to go, isn't it, for Forest. We never do well there. We one did last, win last time, year, to I be fair, one we last did win last year, year, I suppose. Yeah.
0: yeah. Last two years actually. One with Lamucci, one with um Houston. Three moments yeah, in, in actually, three yeah. years.
3: Fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah, we we'll probably do a defeat there though, aren't we? I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, uh, <laughs> Um, you no, know, I think they're not playing particularly well, are they? I think um pretty similar. Star, graphic, but they've, pro- they? they've probably got weaknesses that we can exploit, so it could be a, another one of those games where we do have a bit of joy in behind. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a win in that one as well. Sod it. Um, let's go for a goal fest in that one. 3-2. Three, 3-2. Two. Three, two. So nine points from possible nine. And Reese,
4: what, what do you think of your Mystic hat on? Um t- to be honest, I-, I think if these three wasn't in a row, most pe- people would want us to win all of them. Um, and so I am going to say wins in all of them. Um derby Christ, I mean you know what we're playing the best team in the league and best manager in the league, according to Twitter. So um <laughs> but I've said to you guys if Forrest can and like we just said, they they might have half a team next week. We don't know. They could be decimated this week. We, we don't know. But if Forest if Forest are at peak and play our we can, we, we will beat Derby. It's if they the worry for me would be if Derby got ahead and then they would yes. basically do what Huddersfield did and just sit back, pretty much what they did at home. Um. You know, and to be honest, I mean, we didn't create much in that game, didn't we, when we drew away. Um, but if we can, I think, the I was saying to a Derby fan now earlier, if, if we can, the first goal in that game is crucial for me. And um, I think if we get it, we'll beat them to a 3-0, I really do. If they get it, tough. it's going to be tough to break them down. So, um I can't go on and say like free, you I'm gonna for. I'm going to say Forest to win. I'm kind of just being an hypocrite what I say, but I'm going to go one nil to Forest. I do think it'll be tight, but you know if they do end up being decimated, it wouldn't surprise me for them like we did on Lamusi in the cup three nil or something. Hmm. Um, and that is it's Barnes into. I mean, Barnes. Well, we like yeah, yeah. We like, like we said 100%. on the last pod, didn't we? They haven't. Yeah had a response from their manager really. Cardiff are struggling. They're a team who I've kept a bit of, not an eye on, but they've, never, they've been a bad run of form. Um, Blackburn were down to 10 men for a decent chunk yesterday and still couldn't break them down. I know Blackburn are doing really well, but with Cardiff at home and we know what Cardiff are like, physical. I'd expect to be, I'd, not expect, but you know, I can see us going there and beating them. I really can. Yeah. So I'm going to go for another, you know, three years on the spin. Another one nil away in Wales. Love that. Love that. Very cool. The, the only issue, the only issue I'm going to take up with the Cardiff one is: will they have fans back in the stadium? I was going then. to mention that. Yeah. Mm. So that, that might g- that might give them a bit of a boost. So yeah, that is true. I these, mean, but I'll stick with my prediction anyway.
0: Yeah. So I think Derby, obviously we've all sort of seen how they've picked up form. I think it was was it Adam you mentioned that both teams have taken eighteen points in the last ten games, I think it is, which is very impressive. Um especially given their or, Leafs, or sorry, yeah, especially given their like resources, whatever else, um and limitations. However, I do think and there's a side that scored twenty five goals all season in the league, which is just on the one a game. And obviously two of those came in at weekends. Um I think if we can like you said, Race, if we can get in behind them, then yeah, we'll cause all, all sorts of carnage. Also, I think that whereas before they might be going into these games with a sort of like, you know, there's no pressure on us. We're down anyway, or so we think. Um, yeah, we can just go in and play our normal game, etc. cetera. And no one has to worry. I think that changes for Forest because it's probably the only two out. At the start of the season, if you hit Derby, fam, all right, you've got minus 21 point deduction. Uh, obviously, so you expect it to go down they would still expect a response of some kind against forest. So these are the only two games of the year where they are, there is a level of pressure on them. Cause they have to win because especially like, like um, Lee said it could be the last time we played them for a long, long time. If they what for a number of reasons, if they go down or if the EFL pulled them out and whatever. So there is an element of pressure on them. I think they could work against them. And I think it could also cause mistakes because if we did get an early goal, they would then start piling men forward. Or even if it was nil-nil up to half-time, second half, they wouldn't be happy with a point, I don't think. There's a, a draws don't do any favours now anyway. So I think that would work in our favour too, especially with our pace on the counter. So I reckon I'm going to go 2-0 Forest. I think that we do have enough 11 v 11. We are a better side than them. I think we just gonna have to go and prove it on the pitch because, yeah, it there that we had. And I think if you take away the stress that it's Eastman and Starby and you see it as change their name to Blackpool, you go into it think we have to win so yeah 2-0 Forest um, Barnsley again we should be beaten like we said in the last pods and Cardiff it, again our way supports one of the best in the league I think we would sell that out that end out uh, even though it's a stupid time on Sky um, if fans are back it works both ways um, I'd like to think we could get something from that I think you know, they are struggling they're in a bit of a mess like we said so yeah I'll go 1-0 Forest nine points let it and then the next probably come on before the Leicester game we'll hopefully be saying about playoff aspirations are back on and we're going to overtake leapfrog West Brahmins smash the rest of the league into oblivion that's the dream that's the dream everyone anyway um, thank you all for listening um, we'll obviously be back in two weeks straight after the Cardiff game and
2: fingers crossed we've got some more wins on the board for them take care and goodbye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.